As the kids are leaving, I'm just going to remind you, or if you're a guest here today, I'll let you know, uh, the series we're in is called People of Presence. And what we're doing is every other week, we're talking about intimacy, drawing close to God, or uh, intercession, praying for others. And this week, we're on an intercession week. We're going to talk about praying for others. And what we're going to do is we're going to talk about praying for the church, praying as the church, but also praying for the church. And uh, there's a question that in my systematic theology class with Velimati Karkainen from Finland, who also was in Thailand, who also was, he was quite a man. He starts with this question, what makes the church church? What makes the church church? What if you removed it, it would no longer be church? What makes church, church? Is it the worship, the stage, the building, the... What is it? And I did... I love systematic theology stuff. I'm like total nerd out on this. I reread my notes. I reread half a book. I uh, put together slides to say, here is how the Eastern Orthodox Church answers that question. Here's how the Roman Catholic Church answers that question. Here's how the Lutheran Church answers that question. Here's how the Reformed Presbyterian Church answers that question. Here's how the free churches tend to answer that question. Here's how the Pentecostal Charismatic Churches tend to answer that question. And then last night I was here praying, and I just had a really clear sense. Don't do any of that. Well, that was kind of a big part of what I was going to do. But I think it's because... um, We don't want to be in a hurry of actually where we're going to take this service, where we're going with this service. We want to be able to go uh, at a decent time. And while all of them are drawing from the scripture and they have, there's richness in each of those and we can benefit from it all, I don't want that to take over rather than what the Bible says. I want our main thing to be what the Bible says. So that's really all I'm going to do is just look from two different spots Acts, and then some sections in Ephesians about that question. What makes the church, church? So starting in Acts, when the church was birthed, that's probably a good place to start. And so uh, the Holy Spirit has come on believers who were praying. Hang on a second. And um, people want to know what is going on because there's unusual things happening. And Peter gets up and he gives a message and he, and he shares in that that Jesus, who was a totally an innocent man, who a perfect blameless man, was killed, was crucified, but then God raised him from the dead and then he ascended into heaven and was exalted by God and then the spirit was poured out and that's what they were seeing. And in hearing that, groups of people... Uh, had a response. And so that's where we're going to pick up in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Because they want to know, what should we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So when the church started, it started 
with the message of the reality of the good news of God that Jesus, the God-man, came, lived our life, lived a life of a human being perfectly, was crucified for our sake, even though he didn't deserve it, and then was raised from the dead and ascended, and the Spirit was poured out. And when people were going to respond to that, now they had to repent. They had to change the way they think. They had to turn away from living for themselves, away from living the way of the world, and toward Jesus to receive forgiveness from him, to be reconciled to God, to receive the Spirit from him. And they, those that did so were baptized, initiated into the church, into the reality. This is how the church starts. So then what did they do? Once they were baptized, then they just move on, it, move on in life and check in every once in a while with others who, who thought the same way? Well, the next few verses explain what they did. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who has, had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So these people who get initiated into the reality of the triune God through baptism, because they believe, because they've repented, they've turned to God, now there's something new. There's a new reality in them. And so there's a new reality that has to do with them and God, their access to God, their relationship with God, their connection to God because of Jesus and their faith in Jesus being united to him. Something has changed here. But that is not church. Church is with people who something has changed here, now something changes here too. It's not just this. You can't, one person is not a church. So look at what they did as a church. They got together every day because this reality should change this reality. A devotion to each other, a commitment to each other. We are in this together. How do we decide who's in this together? It's whoever's here. It's people who are connected to Jesus get connected together. It's the church. Now, I'm going to look at Ephesians. Ephesians, out of all the letters attributed to, to Paul, Ephesians is the one letter where he is writing to a church and he doesn't say, like, I'm dealing with this issue, I want to address this issue. It's not like that. It's more like here is what the church is supposed to look like. You know, when he writes to Rome, when he writes to the two letters to the churches in Corinth, when he writes to F, um, the churches of Galatia or Philippi or Thessalonica, even, even the Colossian letter a little bit, he is saying like, well, you know, this is going on and this is going on and this is going on. But in Ephesians, it's like this is what God has in mind for the church. This so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a few verses from each chapter. There's six chapters that I think paint some of the picture of what does God have in mind when he's talking about what church should look like, what church should look like, what we should aspire to. We're, we're not, it's not going to be perfect. We're not going to be perfect. None of that. But this is what the picture is that we should be moving toward. So 
Ephesians chapter 1, verse, verse uh, 19 ends, uh, well, it's a prayer that we're actually going to pray in a little bit. And in that prayer, it ends with, with Paul just pleading. He wants the people who believe in Jesus to know the incomparably great power they have because they believe. And then it says, that power is the same as the mighty strength he, God the Father, exerted when he raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under Jesus' feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body. And just so you know, those two terms are going to be used interchangeably throughout this book. So sometimes in later readings, we might only get one of them. But the church, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Jesus says that the church is to be filled with him. It's his body, and he fills it, and then we fill things. I don't quite get that. That's the hardest one of the ones I'm reading to understand, so we're just going to keep moving. Now, a little bit later in chapter 2, he's talking specifically to the Gentiles. These are the people who are non-Jewish, don't have the Hebrew Bible, the scriptures. They weren't considered the people of God unless they became Jewish, kind of, or they were a God-fearer, then they could kind of be connected to the community, but mostly the Gentiles were the outsiders. The Gentiles were the irreligious ones. And he's saying because of what Jesus did, now they're not separate like this. They can become one body. Jews and Gentiles, it's not the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians, the religious people, the irreligious people, they can become one body because of what Jesus did. They're not separate from one another, and they're certainly not separate from God anymore. And at the end of talking about that, verse 19, he says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you, are, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So Paul uses multiple metaphors for the church in, in his, this letter to Ephesians. The one he uses the most is the body, but he also is, is using a dwelling or a building and here a temple. Now, if you'll remember, if you were here last week, you'll remember that I said that David was the one who prepared for a temple. And that God, in the Bible, it talks about God being everywhere. God is everywhere. His presence is everywhere. It says that in the Bible. But what it talks about way more in the Bible is that God wants to be present somewhere. A specific place, a specific time with people. There's a difference when, the God's, when God's talking about his presence somewhere with people. That's his heart. And David built a temple so that the Ark of the Covenant isn't just over there. His presence isn't just over there, but it becomes right here where David's living. Right here so he can interact with it. He wants the presence right there. And he builds a temple so that God can be somewhere. His presence can be a place where they draw near to him. So here it says that God's desire is that the church, us, the people, become the temple. 
where he dwells. We become the somewhere. We become where his presence comes and fills and we're made known. It's made known. We are the people of presence. That's his desire. That's the church. It's a people who carry his presence, who know his presence, who are connected to his presence. Chapter 3. Another prayer that we're going to pray a little later ends that you may know that, or that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So while people who believe in Jesus have his spirit come into them, and people that believe in Jesus have connection or have access to his presence and connection to his presence, it doesn't mean we all experience it the same way because there is different measures of knowing his presence. There is different measures of him flowing through us. There's different measures. And the prayer is that we would know his love in such a way that we would have the full measure, God's desire for his, his people. And by the way, he's praying this not for a single person. He's praying this for the church, for people, for a group of people, that we would know the full measure. Do you want to know the full measure of his presence? That's what he wants. He wants the full measure to come in. It goes on to say, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I've read that a bunch of times. And what I tend to miss is how staggering it is that he is, he is linking Jesus Christ and the church. Like, that G, the glory would be in Jesus Christ. That same glory would be in the church. John chapter 1 talks about seeing his glory. The word, the eternal word, God himself became flesh and dwelt, tabernacle, set up a temple, was the somewhere where his presence came in full measure. And we have seen his glory. That's what it says in John 1. We have seen God moving in a human being, and the human being is the God-man, Jesus Christ, and it is glory. Wherever he went, it was glory. People were healed where he went. People were amazed where he went. People got invited into community where he went. People had hope where he went. Where he went, God went. God's glory was made known in Jesus Christ. Love that. That's awesome. And here it says, may it be true in Jesus Christ and in the church. He wants his presence, he wants his glory to fill us, to be made known wherever we go, where we are as a body, in his church, his presence be made known. One more, I'm not reading all of the examples I could in here, but chapter 4, verses 11 through 13, so Christ himself gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So the part of this fullness is us becoming more like Jesus. It's not just about us having feeling good. Oh, I'm filled with God, so now I feel better. Well, I mean, that, can, that is part of it, or that's a byproduct but it's so that we become like Jesus. Let's pause here. Pray for 
Either there's something going on in the spirit realm or I hear sirens. So, so other people hear sirens. Okay, good. Otherwise, we may need to call in somebody from the bullpen because, all right. So God, wherever uh, those um, emergency responders are going now, we pray for them and we pray for the situation they're going into. And we pray your presence would be made known there. We pray that your healing, your protection, your comfort, whatever is most needed, would be given to those people, to that situation, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so God has a desire for a people to have his presence in fullness. He has that desire. We can attain to more than we have right now. I don't think we've hit the fullness. We can mature, and, and he goes on to say, you know, part of the attaining is to, is to speak the truth in love, is to be built up and to grow in love. Love is part of how we move into more of his presence. So that's, that's an important aspect of it. How else are we filled, filled with Jesus? How else are we filled with his presence or with his spirit? Well, chapter 5 gives a, just an explicit comment on that. Chapter 5, verse 18 says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So now, we are doing a prayer builder's uh, initiative. We have a lot of people praying in this building uh, through the week. And that's good. We've, we've emphasized we're going to lean into a little bit more extended worship at times during this fall. And recognizing that for some of you, your primary pathway in connecting with God isn't sitting in a prayer room or isn't music. So next week, actually, our drawing close to God is going to be talking about drawing close to God and connecting with, to God in ways other than those ways. That said, there is something about this, singing and making music to God and worshiping him that often, for many, uh, allows more of his presence to be revealed in us. And according to this, has us be, become filled with the Spirit. In the midst of focusing on God, whether it's what is said or what is sung, we become filled with his Spirit. I don't want to lose the part right before that, though. It says, do not be drunk on wine or other alcoholic spirits. I would say, do not fill yourself with things that start to control you. It doesn't have to be alcohol. It could be anything. What do we fill ourselves with that then we are not able to focus on God? That then we're making all our decisions, we're, making, we're just scheduling our lives around certain things that we are filling them up with, and then we just don't really have time to seek him or his presence. Don't be filled with all the other things and not be able to be filled with the Spirit. Make sure you're doing certain things to be filled with the Spirit. Finally, chapter 6, verse 18, and pray in the Spirit on all kinds, on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So in chapter 5. One thing I didn't read was when it talks about Jesus caring for his body, which is the church, feeding his body, taking care of his body. That's one of the things that he does. 
And so he feeds us often through his word. Now I'm going to take all of this together and say, let's do it for a little while. How do we get filled with the Spirit? How do we get filled? Well, first of all, do you want Jesus to be the Lord of your life? Do you want Jesus to be the leader of your life? And if so, are you willing to be committed to his church? Because for him, it's both. I'm not saying this church or this, but I'm saying to a group of people who believe in Jesus. Are you willing to be committed to that? Do you want that? Because, I mean, it should be translated, y'all. We should go south. Because I read Ephesians, and it says, you know, you be this, and you be that, and you do this, and you do that. And I'm thinking, yep, I will, I will, I will, I will. And in every time, it's not you, one person. It's you, y'all. We do it together. That's built into the Bible. Now, of course, we each have to respond on our own. And of course, he's present to us personally on our own. And of course, there's ways that which we ourselves do things individually. But there is a desire God has that we would be brought together that we would be committed together, that we would give ourselves to each other, not just our own little spirituality. The church, the body, other people. So do you want that? Do you want to be connected to him? Do you want to be connected to a people? And do we, those of us who say yes in this place of time, do we want the fullness, the fullness, the fullness fullness all that he wants whatever he wants you know what more and more I feel like the answer is yes I feel like the answer in the room is yes yes we want it all and we know part of us resists it can you ignore that part can you help us with that part we want you we want the real thing the world needs to see the real thing. Do we want the fullness? Well, what we're going to do now is several things that the Lord kind of says are ways that we can be filled. We're going to take communion in a little bit. We're going to close with some worship songs. But first, I'm going to invite the elder board to come forward. So these are six people. We have... I lose track. We have 20, give or take, a few ministering elders in our church body. And then of those, we, there are two each year that are selected to serve three-year terms. And these are the six elder board members. So please, some of you have got the email. There's paper if you aren't an email person. Nominate people, because we're coming to a time where we're going to have new ministry elders. Nominate people who you're like, yes, I see God moving in them. Yes, I see them helping me. So this is Crystal Harson, Renee Schumacher, Melinda Voss, Ryan Roseboom. <laughs> just, kidding, just kidding. Lisa Brandoff and Scott Bridges. And what we're going to do is we're going to pray the prayers of the church by leaders of the church for the church. And I, they're going to read at what some call apostolic prayers. So these are prayers right from Scripture. So my prayer is that the prayer itself that's being read would come into, into different people, all of us. It would come into it. And then they're going to pray their own prayer 
over us, and they're just going to go down the line. And that's what we're going to do now. So just get in a posture of receiving. If you want your eyes open, open them. You want your eyes closed. That doesn't matter. Just whatever is, is best for you to focus on the Lord and to focus on, on what he brings through these people. Um, so I picked Ephesians 1, uh, 17 through 19. I keep asking that the God of our Lord, Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparable great power for us who believe. Would you pray with me? So Father God, I just echo what Pastor Andrew said about growing deeper with you. Um, and saying yes to you. I pray that their eyes would be open to you um, and that they would grow deeper in their relationship with you, um, whether they currently have accepted you as their Lord and Savior um, or not. I just pray that um, if they haven't, that they would say yes to you, that they would want to grow deeper with you and know what that looks like. So I just pray that you would... Um, just fill them with your Holy Spirit, um, meet them where they're at, help them to know your word more, um, and just to grow more with you. So um, just let your presence fill this room. Let them know that you want a relationship with them, that you want to grow with them, um, and that you're knocking. They just need to say yes. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, as we were reading through the suggested list of passages that Andrew gave us, um, I was reminded by a prayer request I had uh, one Sunday serving on the prayer team, or on the prayer team, this individual was looking for more joy and to not let the things in life interfere with knowing joy. And that really resonated with me. And so this verse really struck me, and this is the one that I picked for today. It's Romans 15:13. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Please pray with me. Father God, you love us so much. You have abundantly blessed us. You gave us the gift of your Holy Spirit to dwell in us. And God, in times like now, when things are hard and things are uncertain, it affects our ability to feel joy and peace. So my prayer for your church is that you will overfill all, all of us in this room, watching online, with your peace and your joy, and that we can't help but show that when we go to work tomorrow, when we go to school tomorrow, when we're out in the community activities. And God, I pray that it overflows out of us so much that people can't help but take notice. And when they do, I pray that you will help us confidently share about you, the source of that hope, that joy, that peace. Thank you, Father. Amen. My reading is from uh, Philippians 1, 9 through 11. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, 
filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Please pray with me. Lord, my prayer is that we do um, be filled with your love and that as we go about our week and we leave this place, that those we come in contact with um, experience your love through us. Um, Lord, but most importantly, those that don't know you experience your love through us. Um, that those that we don't typically get along with um, experience your love through us. That those people who are sometimes unlovable fill your love through us, Lord. So may you fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we can bless others. We pray these things in your Son's name. Amen. Colossians 1, verses 9 through 12. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Let's pray. Father, I just pray for an incredible strengthening in this body among the leaders, among the people, in Pastor Andrew, Lord, Lord, just strengthen our relationship with you, Lord. Father, encounter us in new ways and in a new light. Um, show us your glory, Lord. Just show us your glory, Lord. So, Father, we may take that, and Lord, that we can be then fruitful for your kingdom here. Father, I pray that the things we do in this church and in these walls do not stay in this church and in these walls. Father, your church is so much bigger than this place, Lord, and you have asked us to go to bear fruit and to multiply, Lord. So, Father, open our hearts. Open our hearts to people to love you and to loving those around us, Lord. Father, fill us with your wisdom. Amen. I'm going to read Acts 4, 24 through 31. And when they heard this, they lifted their voices to God with one accord and said, O Lord, it is you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples devise futile things? The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. And now, Lord... Take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. 
And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Let's pray. Abba Father, how grateful we are for your word that gives testimony to your power and your love. Lord, I pray you would increase your presence in this place, in our homes and in our communities. Give us a fresh anointing of confidence and boldness to share the good news of Jesus with those around us. God, I pray we would be a people who would never put our parameters on how you move or how you reveal yourself to us through signs and wonders. Give us the faith to not reject what we do not understand or fear what we cannot explain. Papa, shake and awaken us to be a church of acts, to be salt and light to the world. Fill us to overflowing with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I, um, I was in a Bible study this, earlier this spring, and we did um, an exercise in that Bible study where each week we had verses that we read, but we read it from three different versions of, um, of the Bible, so I, I actually did that for today. Um, I'm going to read, I chose Ephesians 3, 14 through 19, and so I'm going to read it from three different versions for you. For this reason, I kneeled before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Um, one of the things that stuck out to me um, through that verse, well, a couple, two things, actually. And um, the first one was about how much God loves us. And how much that we don't always think about that. And um, because we don't do that, sometimes we get affected by things um, of the world more because we're not dwelling on God's love. And um, I was at a, a conference about two weeks ago. And one of the statistics that they talked about, this was an education conference, was the um, pre-pandemic, about 11% of, of the people in the United States suffered from some sort of mental health issue. Um, whether I think most of it was anxiety and depression, but 11% post-pandemic, um, it's over. It's like 42, 43%. So just in the last couple of years, it's quadrupled, I mean, to, almost to the point that half of us are dealing with some sort of um, struggling with some sort of mental health issue, um, a lot of anxiety and a lot of depression, a lot of things that are, are circumstances that have happened, and it's no wonder after you know, all the fear-mongering and everything that went on during the pandemic and all the negative stuff that we put in, it just gets in there and gets roots. Um, and so, yeah, we're gonna pray about that in just a little bit, but um, God can take care of that for you. Um, there's healing there for, and, if, and uh, yeah, we're gonna pray about that. But I'm, here, let's read the second version of this. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, 
that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length, height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I think we don't, we don't comprehend, or we can't be, begin to comprehend the amount of love that God has for us. It's, it's so vast, and it's so hard to understand, and I think maybe sometimes that's why we struggle to connect, but it's, it's the first thing that we have to know is that he sent his son to die for us. Um, I can't even imagine what that was like. I can't imagine the, what, what he gave up for us. Um, and the fact that he would do that, just that's the first, the first example or the biggest example of how much somebody could love you. Um, and he does love us as a father. And, I, and the second thing that stuck out to me as I was, as I was trying to pick, well, we had a list to choose from and I was trying to pick what I was going to do and I was putting it off. I was procrastinating like I always do. And um, it was Tuesday, we had a board meeting on Tuesday night, and I'd read through, and I had kind of narrowed it down to two or three, um, and um, I was on my way to another educational thing in Des Moines for school safety, and um, there was a song that came on the radio, and this was something that I feel that people deal with, it, um, and it's self-image and self-talk, um, and it's part of that whole mental health issue, and that we, we say things um, to other people that are kind. We're kind to other people uh, most of the time. Um, and, but the things that we say to ourselves, or the things that, that we hear in our head, that voice, whatever it is, or that we think about ourselves, is often really negative. Um, we, just, we, we don't say kind things nor kind words to ourselves. And God has more for us than that. He has love for us. I mean, and so there was, all this was kind of rolling around through my head and happening throughout the day. And I went to um, Kohl's to get some pants afterwards and this is just an, kind of an example that I how it kind of how God was speaking to me um, I was trying to figure out what size I was going to wear and I couldn't decide if it was going to be 36 or 38s um, I was hoping it was 36 <laughs> at least for a little bit longer and turns out that they're stretchy pants now so they are 36s <laughs> so that's that's the good news um, but you can imagine what I was thinking about myself as I was going through that you know why have you done this to yourself? Why, how did you get to this point? Why don't you take better care of yourself? And those are probably not the exact words I was thinking, but just how you know you can sometimes be disgusted with yourself in that mental image or those things that you're thinking about. Um, whatever it is, we, we are so hard on ourselves. And God loves us. He doesn't, he doesn't even have that in store for us. He doesn't think those things about us. His love is great. His love is vast. Um, and he doesn't want us to go through that. He has more for us. And so... Then, as I was leaving Coles, that same song came on the radio, and I've got the words up here for you. And the song's called Perfection. But when all I see are the flaws, you see perfection. Looking through this mess of a heart, you see perfection. Show me what's behind your eyes. Don't think that I can trust mine. When all I see are the flaws, you see perfection. So let's read the last version. My response is to get down on my knees before the Father, this magnificent Father who parcels out all heaven and earth. I ask him to strengthen you by his spirit, not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength, that Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. And I ask that, 
I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on, the, on love, you will be able to take in with all followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the beauty, the breadth, test the length, plumb the depth, rise to the heights, live full lives, full in the fullness of God. I just think there's a lot more for us if we just open up and, and let God love us, if we just surrender to that. Um, and he can take care of any anxiety or depression or mental health issues or things that you're thinking about yourself. Um, he can take care of that. He, he'll, he'll remove that for you. Will you pray with me? Father God, I, I just thank you for everything that you've done for us. I thank you that you sent Jesus to save us. I thank you that you had enough love for us that you were willing to make that sacrifice for us. And I thank you that you rose him from the dead. I thank you that, uh, that you can heal us. And Lord, I ask right now, there's people in this room that are suffering from whether it's anxiety or whether it's depression or self, you know, self-doubt thoughts that they're having. I just ask you to dig in there and just dig into us and just remove those those things. You just heal it. And I ask that you fill it with, with the Holy Spirit and fill it with God's love so that, that we're full and running over with everything that you have for us. And all the, all the wellness and, um, yeah, the goodness that you have for us. In his prayer earlier, Nick said, um, God, you are so kind and loving and just a soft father. And sometimes we don't see you as that. Sometimes we see you maybe as a disciplinarian, but God, you are there for us and you're, you're soft and you're loving and you're, you, you just, you want nothing but greatness for us. And I just ask you to heal these people in this room right now. Thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. Now, if you'll stay up here for a moment. Now, our leaders have prayed for us. Now, I'd like us to pray for our leaders. So if you're a ministering elder, would you please stand right now? Ministering elder, we're going to pray for you. If you're a staff, if you're on staff at Celebrate, would you please stand? And we're going to pray, pray for you. So I'm going to let this 30 seconds of silent. You can pray for these people, um, and then I'll close us up. Let's pray for our leaders. God, thank you for each of these people and maybe the people who aren't in this room but also serve in those roles. Would you, we just thank you for who they are, how you've gifted them and most especially their hearts for you and we pray that they would be protected by you and filled with your spirit and guided into whatever you have for them as they move forward into this next season. And we pray for the selection process coming up. We pray that you would lead your church, you would lead the whole process, that the next group of elders and the next couple of, of people to join the board, that you would be the one who's appointing them. We pray it in Jesus' name. 
Amen. You may go and have a seat. Thank you very much for praying. I want us to pray for a couple more things before we, we head to communion. It's World Communion Sunday, so I don't want us just to pray for our church. I want us to pray for the, our Jerusalem, Judea, and ends of the earth. And so we'll pray for the church in, churches in Knoxville and, and our region. My brother's family surprised us and he's here, so we're going to pray for the Bridge Church in Ottumwa. Um, since they're here, and then we're going to pray for the global church. So let's pray together. God, we thank you for all the churches in Knoxville, and Pleasantville, and Pella, and the surrounding regions. And we pray that you would bless them, truly bless them. We pray that you would uh, use them to bring people into faith with you, We pray that those that already have faith would be built up. We pray that you would grow their numbers, that you would bless their finances. We pray that uh, there would be movements in their churches, movements of the Spirit. We pray that. And we pray for the bridge in Ottumwa and Fairfield and Centerville and wherever else you're sending them. Would you be with them as they navigate building issues? Would you provide for them? Would you keep helping them to reach people that don't know you? To reach people who feel invisible to you? To reach people who feel like it's too late? We thank you for the many, 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 many lives like that that have been reached through the Bridge Church. Even more. Would you do even more? And we pray for the church around the world and just whatever country comes to your mind, would you pray for the church in that country or that the church would get established in a country where it's not established? We pray for the persecuted church. We thank you for people who are staying faithful to you in the midst of persecution and ask that you would provide and rescue them. And we pray for those we're particularly connected to in Uganda, in Ukraine, in Haiti. Would you be with the believers in those countries and would you bless those countries? And we thank you that you are God of all the nations, that you have people from every tribe and tongue, and that we get to be part of that. So we celebrate that today, and we do it in Jesus' name. Amen.